Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first Optimizely podcast of 2023. I am your host, Laura Dolan, and today we are joined by Tom Downing. He's the tech director of Freestyle, one of Optimizely's longtime partners. Happy New Year, Tom. Welcome to the podcast. Happy New Year. Very nice to be here. How's it going? Very well, very well. It's a very cold, dark day today. Um, but apart from the miserable British weather, uh, it's been a, it's been a fantastic uh, start to the year. So that's good. Everything's looking up and up for twenty twenty three. It definitely <laughs> is. Yes, Q one. <laughs> Q one. There's lots of unknowns, um, which which we can talk about. But um, I'm staying positive. Yep. So much potential to be had. You got to love the beginning of the year. Sure. Well, awesome. <laughs> Thank you again for joining us today. Uh, please start off by telling us a little bit about your history with Optimizely. I understand you've been in business with us for 13 years. So can you go into some detail about the evolution of your partnership? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So 13 years is a long time. Um, I have been with Freestyle for just over three years. Um, Freestyle itself is a UK-based uh, digital transformation agency. Um, we work with clients and brands um, all over the world in many different sectors. Uh, right now, we're focusing on sport, manufacturing um, and leisure. Um, with Optimizely specifically, yeah, 13 years. I mean, this goes back in from a long way before the acquisition um, to EpiServer days. Um, right. And Freestyle's had a long reputation with Optimizely, um, you know, developing very large um, projects, like I said, in many different sectors. Um, and it's been fantastic to see the evolution of the platform itself in terms of what it's turned into from when we first um, partnered up. So yeah, it's been a long, long way. But now in the last five years, um, you, you guys are doing some incredible things, which I can talk a little bit more about. Yes, absolutely. Uh, there have been a lot of changes, uh, especially since I've been here. I've only been here coming up on two years, actually. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, um, definitely, definitely a lot to talk about. Well, now that we are looking at a fresh new year, almost three years after the inception of the pandemic, what measures has your business taken to ensure its survival? Great question. Three years again, like three years going back to that time, it seems like, you know, not that long ago to to, to me personally. Um Okay, so in the last three years, I'd say a key thing that we've done for the business is not being scared to regularly review our positioning. Um, this is ask. This is basically answering questions and well, asking ourselves questions. You know, are we still relevant? Are we solving the right challenges for today and tomorrow for for our clients? Are there new ways to solve these challenges? We constantly go through that, and I think in the last three years, we've not been scared to do that more often. Um, and I think the industry that we're in, um, from an agency perspective, people need to do that now because ultimately we can't rely so much on historical trends. Um, so if you look at, especially the last three years, from a technology and customer perspective, um, shifts in behavior has become much more frequent. Um, and you ask yourself why, um, I believe there are less and less um, data sources that um, in terms of what's happened in the past to now rely on. Uh, we, we're having such huge shifts um, that haven't been planned or predicted um, that agencies are now having to you know, test more often, basically, rather than relying on what's happened in the past. Um, so, yeah, we've been doing that a lot more often um, so that we're relevant. Um, and ultimately, how you do it is really important as well. So we ourselves have been prepared to test more often. We speak to our clients a lot more often um, and making sure that our service offering ultimately is um, has the correct market fit. 
so in the last 12 months um, from, from that impact, we've nearly completely repositioned the business. Um, that's resulted then in a total rebrand um, and just now launched a new marketing strategy. And that strategy is based on our insight and seeing a gap in businesses that you are using traditional methods to stay relevant. If you think back to what I was just talking about there of um, all industries cannot rely on what's happened in the past to predict the future. Um, businesses now are having to experiment a lot more. Um, so we saw a gap in this from how agencies serve businesses. Um, so many businesses now are still building irrelevant products that customers don't want or need, um, or they want but are serving in a, not a huge amount of value. So you know, ultimately, they have very little impact to the business. So our reaction to that is a more consultative approach. Uh, freestyle for a long, long time has had a very strong reputation um, within the delivery space of agencies from an EpiServer into Optimizely perspective. Um, we've invested in the last 12 months heavily in a consultative approach. And the reason why is aside from that gap that I just talked about, it's also the recognition that when you have agencies that are fo that focus purely on strategy, Generally speaking, they struggle to deliver products as a result of that at the end. And the other way around, vice versa, product first agencies often lack in strategy, therefore end up building an incredible product, but a product that not many customers actually want or need. So yeah, that's a long answer to say in the last 12 months, really, we've tested our positioning, uh, reacted to what we feel is important to, first of all, do a lot more upfront discovery work to understand what's important to customers now um, and the way in which you businesses do that, um, experimenting more, not relying on what's happened in the past. And then the way that we go about delivering products, making sure that they're future-proof, that they're not having to build something that then they have to tear up 12 months later because it's not working. Right. I feel like in many ways, the pandemic was a blessing and a curse, especially in the digital space, because it forced a lot of companies to be innovative. Like you said, there wasn't any data available to how to basically survive during a pandemic, how to get the products in front of your customers in a digital fashion. I mean, the industry you and I are in, obviously, it's it's been digital, it's been technical, but a lot of companies that have had brick and mortar agencies have had to pivot to a digital space. They had to do a lot more work, it seems. But at the same time, like you said, the pandemic made everyone think a little differently, process things a little differently, look the way they were looking for the products and the way we have to change our product placement and get in mm -hmm. front of the right audiences and where they are in the funnel. I think it made us all kind of hit the reset button <laughs> and figure out like exactly like, okay, like what has been working? What is not working? What are we going to do to ensure our survival, to ensure that we keep the attention of our now very short attention spans, if you will. I don't know about you, but I mean, for me, it's like, you know, if a video is more than 30 seconds, I don't watch it. So. You're totally um, right. If you look at, you know, ultimately, that's what Optimizely is built on in terms of experimentation and what it provides. But how businesses make use of that, I mm -hmm. think, is the big challenge here. So you're completely right of like people now recognize the need to build in more flexibility to their not just technical architecture, but also their processes and governance. But the reality of actually delivering that is easier said than done. Um, I think 
ultimately the biggest issue here is pace. So yes, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think I don't think anyone can argue that point in terms of um, being more prepared to launch faster, pivot quicker. But that pace, being able to actually physically do that, um, I think is the busy, the biggest barrier to business these days. Absolutely, just being able to adapt to how fast things are changing and evolving, you know that that would definitely ensure your success. So what are some recommendations you can make to other organizations who want to steal back their businesses, essentially, and protect it from, I hate to use the word recession, but I feel (laughs) like we are feeling there is a looming recession coming. What can people do to kind of overcome that? Yeah, it's, yeah, we need to talk about it. It's, it's ultimately, (laughs) it's ultimately a question that's in front of everyone's mind in business right now, right? Because Mm -hmm. Um, your hesitation to say it almost does uh, sort of summarize it very well in that um, people know it's coming, but it's um, no one quite knows exactly the extent of it. Um, I will say, though, you've got to remember, you know, we've been we've all been not all, but lots of us have been here before. Right. Several right. times. Yeah. Um, not not necessarily through pandemics, but through recessions. So, you know, it, we've been here before from a from an economic perspective. Um we feel at Freestyle that the biggest challenge is that if you think from a marketing team's perspective, they'll be getting a huge amount more pressure now from their board around effectiveness of spend. Um, the issue will be potentially the scrutiny on the number of platforms and vendors that they're using, the number of agencies they're using. Um, and the question that'll be proposed that'll be posed will be ones around how can we trim down, how we can consolidate, how can we get more value out of our suppliers? Um, and strategies like this, cost reduction is of course crucial um, and needed. But I will say, I think it's not all about trimming down platforms and vendors. I think from our, my experience, um, looking at many different industries and big global businesses, they come with a huge amount of technical debt in processes mm-hmm. that these days can be automated. You know, things like reporting, customer service, uh, features, content production, so on and so forth, there is a huge opportunity to reduce that technical debt so that, going back to our other point, businesses can move faster because they're not hindered by an archaic um, set of pro- processes or technical platform. I think businesses, in terms of the looming recession, I kind of touched on it. The ones that win, I feel, will be the ones that can move the quickest um, to retain relevance, uh, which is hard, right? Um I'd feel there's four main areas, four main things that you need in recession to win from a tech point of view. So number one is going on to my point at the start, find the most important thing that customers really care about now that if you solve will result back an impact, positive impact to the business. Um, And that might sound obvious to lots of listeners here, right? But ultimately you look at a lot of products um, and they don't add value and customers don't need them. So that's the first number one. Um, the second point is building in processes so your development team can um, work faster. They can deploy quicker. And in the last two years, I'd say, um, there is a lot of noise in how um, you, a business tech from an architectural point of view can put things like parallel deployments in place um, and flexibility in their tech stacks. Um Ultimately, if you think from all different teams in a business, right, you think of marketing teams, sales, operations, IT, they all have extra pressure because of this recession. 
and they all want more from their products. They all want, but they all, they all want to release more features and upgrades and content across their websites, apps, and tools. And traditional methods would dictate that they all have to queue up one after another for their um, pieces of work to be able to be launched. And ultimately, this is redundant now. This can't happen anymore. Um, that that is what hinders businesses a, a great deal in pivoting quickly. So. Looking at it from a technical architecture perspective, allowing those mark those teams in a business to deploy in parallel in a way that means that they're not reliant on each other, i.e. by releasing one element, it doesn't impact another, is the way forward. Um, businesses and brands need to launch ideally daily, um, but launch weekly, you know, with constant small improvements that aren't in that queue and waiting for one other department to release their feature. Um, certainly not monthly and certainly not quarterly. So do you have any real world examples or case studies demonstrating how businesses are investing in innovation in order to solidify their brands right now? Yes. One springs to mind uh, a great client of ours called Simspa, uh, based in the UK. So Simspa are the Chartered Institute for Management, Sport and Physical Activity. Quite quite a mouthful. Um, <laughs> three years ago. Is there ago... an acronym in there somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Um, so three years ago, um, just before the pandemic, they were, I think, 15 people. Um, they're now, I believe, 80 plus. I might, I might have that wrong, um, but they've scaled um, hugely. So Simspur essentially within the UK are responsible um, for sport and physical activity um, by government to be able to control um, the regulation of the industry. Um, mm -hmm. And that's everybody that practices sport from individuals right through to um ngbs through to clubs and so on um, and three years ago when the pandemic came the sport industry um, as i'm sure you all remember shut down overnight so yeah. all, all training providers leisure centers anyone practicing um sports for their profession um all shut down um, and overnight um had a huge threat to that industry simspur um, noticed that there is a there will be a very large impact potentially to the qualifications of all the individuals that hold sport um, for the profession. And there's a lot, there was a huge amount of qualifications that were due to expire effectively alongside leisure centres being shut and having no revenue sources. So Simspo acted um, and we helped them with a programme called Retrain. And Retrain uh, was a idea that they wanted to rapidly launch to revive the industry by matching funded training from government to employers and employees that needed it. Um, this is a great example of my points earlier on a recession, um, but in this case, a pandemic um, in how they how they won. So in a matter of weeks, I, would, I believe it was when they first came to us to when we launched because, you know, they had to act very quickly. Um, we built a platform that had a technical architecture to scale um, very quickly uh, and at great depth. And in this instance, they achieved within the first launch um, over 18,000 new qualifications for the industry. Um, and wow. that, since then, that program has now um, been repeated several times because it's a brilliant uh, vehicle to get the industry um, training um, yeah, and, and revive the industry itself. Another really great innovation that came out of a situation we weren't prepared for. So it's amazing Correct, how yeah. creative people can get. One, I was going to say, well, that yeah, that one other example of exactly what you just said there is the travel industry. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so th- this isn't necessarily business, um, but hopefully this is an interesting idea, um, an, an example of of our innovative thinking. Um, so again, going back to pandemic, um, the travel sector, even now still, um, has been hugely disrupted. Um, so last year, it was about this time last year, we challenged ourselves to explore potentially how the travel search experience so this is essentially how you think and go about finding a holiday or where you want to go. We challenge ourselves internally to think about how can that be improved? Are the way in which people search for holidays, is it redundant? Does it need to be changed? And we did a research um, study and it actually showed a um, the reason why people go on holiday is ultimately to change the way they feel. Right. So. If you think of yourself, if you go on holiday, you know, why do you go skiing versus a beach holiday versus a city break? If you think of when you when you go on that holiday, it's an experience and ultimately it's a change of feeling when you're in that moment versus your daily life in your house and your career and your personal life. And if you take that hypothesis and you then look at all the current search providers they all look the same and they all ask the same questions of how to, where you want to go, what what time do you want to go, what date do you want to go, how many people, and these are all functional questions. Mm-hmm. So there was a little contradiction between our insight um, and what the market is, is putting out there. So we went about and designed and built a prototype for the industry to try to capture how you want to feel. Um, so we created a uh, prototype in the form of an app um, and essentially you go through this experience, you toggle soundscapes to based on certain sound effects to work out what how you want to feel, what you want to what type of atmosphere you want to create and does it trigger this right of this right type of emotion. Um, we then looked at binaural audio um, technology to try to create in, uh, an, a more of an immersive experience 3D experience. Then taking that data, um, you go into visuals and you come up with uh, various images and you can um, go through and choose which ones you feel um, right with the soundscape that you've chosen before. And all of that then gets fed into an API service that we built that currently is this is just a prototype for the industry. We connected with various open source travel um, APIs to then narrow down holidays based on these on this criteria. Um, and it's a really enjoyable time for, for Freestyle to come together and challenge the industry. And we won a great award last year for that piece of work um, due to its innovation, due to its thinking. Um, so, yeah, hopefully I can leave the link in the show notes of the podcast and people can check it out. Yeah, definitely. That's a that's amazing. So basically, they leveraged virtual reality, augmented reality, artificial intelligence. I mean, a lot of companies now have pivoted to that type of presentation when it comes to their products and their branding. Um, so that's so cool that they basically immerse you in the experience and just taking it up to the next level. This is the feeling that you're going to have when you vacation with us or when you travel with us. And that's amazing. I actually need to look into that. So <laughs> plan my next vacation. <laughs> it's been a while. So <laughs> what are your future plans for your partnership with Optimizely for 2023 and beyond? Okay, so we've been a gold partner for a long, long time. And I'd say in the last, in my time at Freestyle, which is just over three years, uh, I've personally been very impressed with how Optimize has developed um, its products since since then. 
um, you've truly listened to the partners um, like us and other businesses um, on the advisory board that we're involved with. Um, that's that's that that comes across so well. You know the the acquisitions that you've made, the products that you've developed. Um, it's enabling us a huge amount to be able to deliver and solve. Like I said at the start, those businesses that those problems that businesses actually need to to solve that customers care about. I think a great example of flexibility from our future plans point of view is version 12. Um, this might mm-hmm. seem like a small thing, but for me, it's a huge um, advance um, from Optimize D in terms of its architecture um, and how it's been built. It's allowing us to be able to um, extend the platform a lot more than previous versions um, due to its um, stack. So our plans for Optimizely uh, probably come down to sort of three areas. So the first area is accelerators. So this is helping businesses take that first step into digital transformation. Often businesses are lured, easily lured into the idea of shiny new technology. But when reality hits, they often struggle to know where to start. And like we were saying at the start of all of this, it's not down to the tech. It's down to um, the, the governance or the processes that people have within businesses that slow things down. Um, and we find that time and time again. So what we want to try to create is a set of um, accelerators. Um, so think of pre-packed services with an Optimizely that extend um, out as well that allow a business to not do a big bang year long um, launch of their whole platform itself, but take a single piece of the business. You know, it could be one C, it could be one market of a business um, and and swapping out the CMS for it. Um, it could be one e-commerce line um, and experimenting and changing, putting optimizely in based on their um, in replacement for their current stack, starting there to be able to get buy-in for the business to see the impact and learning um i think is the is key for it. so accelerators is an important thing for us to hopefully speed that up second thing is composable architecture approach so this is talked about a lot in the industry um and we are big advocates of it but we ultimately want to see how we can use optimize lee's dxp platform to build in external microservices and a headless approaches to power multiple products, apps, and websites from a business. So um, from Optimizely's perspective, that's if a business is using DXP to power the experience, the content experience, um, how can we build um, other functionality within the business and integrate them together from a composable perspective? Um, so there's some uniformity between them. The second, the last one, sorry, number three is around segment customer segmentation. So I know that Optimizely, I think at the end of this year, releasing a new data platform um, and the real time element of that data platform is so exciting. So being able to at scale segment customers in real time will be so valuable to a business. Think of like when a business, a marketing team, on in real time can create tailored marketing communications and personalized experiences um, to very complex customer segments at scale in real time will have a huge impact on businesses. So that's another area that we're looking to try to upskill on internally um, in line with your data platforms launching later this year. That's awesome. Uh, I know our developers are working very, very hard to improve our products. So it's nice to hear uh, on the other side, how our partners are 
receiving that and able to leverage it. We're constantly changing, constantly improving and upscaling. And so um, it's good to hear that it is beneficial on the partner side. Is there anything else we didn't cover that you'd like to mention before we wrap up? Businesses that are listening that have optimized lead potentially in place know the power, especially in terms of what it can bring in terms of all the features. The one thing that I'd like to say is that the majority of businesses that I see and talk to, so this is a lot of our clients that we put Optimizely um, DXP in place um, and other cl- other non-clients as well, um, is that when it's in place, I often sit afterwards sit down and, and review how they're using that platform. And I think it's very rare that you'll come across a business that is actually making use of all of the features that are so valuable within a platform like Optimizely. Um, I think businesses rush very quickly at a platform without doing a bit of research and speaking to their various marketing teams and not just marketing team as well um, on what features do they want? Why, you know, really, really scrutinizing them on a platform. Um, And you get to that point then and you and going back to um, the scrutiny over spend that marketing teams will face from a pressure perspective there is a huge amount that I feel that will be un- un- underutilized right now within their platforms that they already have. Um, so my main advice is, you know, go and speak to your marketing teams, go and speak to your agencies and get training on all of the features with optimizing that you're not currently used, um, that you're not currently using, sorry. So, you know, personalization is is a huge topic um, and optimize to have huge amounts of insight into how businesses can use that um, very easily. But, you know, it's very rare that's used to its full extent. Um, things like content recommendations, reviewing on-page search statistics, um, workflow management from a project grouping perspective. Like there's so much built into it um, that's underutilized. I'd love businesses to, uh, after this, to go away and go and speak to their providers, their their, their agencies um, and speak to their marketing teams and make use of what they've already got. Definitely. Definitely stage advice there. Uh, Well, thank you again, Tom. Uh, How can our audience find you? So mostly active on LinkedIn. Um, Mm -hmm. So please connect with me on LinkedIn for the search for my name and freestyle. Yeah, that's where I'm mostly linked and I'm more than happy to, uh, to talk more. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Tom. I really appreciate it. Um, It's nice to kick off the new year with you. And thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Optimizely podcast. I am Laura Dolan, and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Optimizely podcast. If you'd like to check out more episodes or learn more about how we could take your business to the next level by using our marketing content or experimentation tools, please visit our website at optimizely.com. Or you can contact us directly using the link at the bottom of this podcast blog to hear more about how our products will help you unlock your digital potential. 